Hello, everybody. I'm Pasha Marlowe. Welcome back to Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. And I want to tell you that today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, ADHD and relationships and specifically uh, divorce, but I think a little bit of sex too. And the reason I bring that up is because I just started uh, like today a new free Facebook group called Getting Intimate with ADHD. And it's for women only who want to be in community with other women with ADHD who want a safe and empathetic space to talk about their relationship to themselves, their partners, sex, sexuality, uh, you know, conversation, communication, all the things. So I just want to let you all know about that. Um, so I don't forget. And, um, I want to welcome today's guest, Natalie Nolan from Ontario, Canada, who is a life coach specializing in ADHD and divorce. So I'm very excited to have you today. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you very much for inviting me, Pasha. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. I've been following you on Instagram um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one is because my marriage is rocky and I have a marriage with a person with ADHD and I have ADHD. So there's a lot of relational issues that come up in my world that you bring up in your posts. Um, but then also it feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, there's also been kind of this resurgence of like a kind of a sexual revolution and talking about uh, sex and sexuality and just how women um, can explore and expand in that area. And that lights me up, not only because I have a pleasure podcast, but because I think we need more spaces for women to safely talk about sex and intimacy. <clears throat> Excuse me. So tell us how you came to working with people with ADHD. Well, um... Uh, my ADHD journey, I guess you could say, started when my older daughter started to have struggles in school in grade seven. And it actually wasn't even ADHD that we figured out first. It was, she seemed to be, she was being bullied. And then she got really, really depressed and she wanted to switch schools. We switched her schools and then it just wasn't as easy as what she thought it would be. And she got more depressed and suicidal and, you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So they, she ended up having a hospital visit and she was put on medication on antidepressants and the antidepressants actually made her sort of go into like a hypomania. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was it was actually the special education and resource teacher at the school that asked if she had ADHD, because apparently it's something that's very common with those that have ADHD. If you go on anti, um, what are they called? Antidepressants. Thank you. I spaced out there. Uh, antidepressants, then it can, it, it can amplify your ADHD yes. and put you into this mania type thing. So we decided to take her off the medication because she was doing some crazy stuff. And so we decided to privately get her a psychoeducational assessment. And that was when absolutely they found out that she had ADHD. And so, I mean, since then she has a plethora of other diagnoses um, yeah. since then, now that she's 19, 
but back then it was the ADHD and of course ODD. And then she also had um, something, some uh, depressive disorder, some kind of depressive disorder or something like that. Uh, so general, general anxiety disorder. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyways, it was ages ago, but so th- that led me to deciding, Hey, I'm going to look more into this and see what it's all about. I started reading up on it. And then a girlfriend of mine told me about a support group. So I joined the support group for, it was, um, a support, a parent support group. Nice. So I joined that and the coach, um, I started using her for my daughter and for myself. Mm -hmm. And I started to kind of question, wait a second here. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I very, very, I have never been formally diagnosed just from everything that I've learned about it. I just kind of assume I have it essentially Mm -hmm. and, and live accordingly and, you know, strategies, tools, all that stuff. Right. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It, it can be a struggle, uh, in different areas. Life balance can be fun too. Right. Um, yes. so long story short, I decided to, I went to the Atlanta convention mm-hmm. and when, when I went there, it was like, Oh my gosh, I've found my people. Yeah, these like, are my I, people. They're my people. And everyone's I was, looking for their keys and their wallet and their glasses. <laughs> Oh my God. That was when I first discovered the tile, you know, tiles. tiles. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a life changer. But um, anyway, I came back from that and I'm like, you know what, that's it. I'm going to become a life coach, especially in ADHD. So I joined ADCA Mm -hmm. back. I can't even remember what year that was, to be honest. I want to say 2017 or 2018. And I, I did my coaching through ADCA and I came out initially being a coach for moms or women with ADHD. And since going to ADCA and um, going through the personal transformation course they had, I learned so much about myself and about needs and about boundaries and all these things. And it really changed my life drastically and which ultimately led to the ending of my marriage. And so uh, through the ending of my marriage and my own journey and joining another support group for separation and everything, I have come out of it on the other side. And now I want to do that for women. I want to be that space for women to come to women, especially women with ADHD. So hence my, um, Instagram handle of ADHD divorce, A D H D I V O R C E. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that when we could take our, our heartache and turn it into, uh, you know, service to, to others and reframe yeah. that way. Um, but you bring up a, a lot of really good points before I, uh, forget, I want to tell listeners who are not aware that, um, ADHD is hereditary as height. And so if your child has ADHD, it is highly likely that you or your partner, um, or their, their other parent do, um, and, uh, and that it's, um, often just in families, generations passed down, but we are just now starting to diagnose more uh, women, especially late in life and girls, mm-hmm. because our hyperactivity doesn't always show up in the body. A lot of times for women and girls, it shows up in the mind. So ruminating mm-hmm. thoughts and that very active mind, even though we don't physically take on the attributes of uh, what we would 
see as hyperactive in our, you know, back in the day when we learned about ADHD. So it's, so I just want to uh, put that out there. But the thing that you brought up that I'm, that I'm really excited about actually, is that when you make these transformations, when you go to retreats or um, coaching programs, or when you feel like you're, um, you know, finally in your own power and in your own body, that we often outgrow our uh, relationships that we're mm. in, and that that often, um, you know, leads to the divorce or separation or just the completeness of that of that uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, were you? Um, you, you assume you have ADHD. <clears throat> Does, did your uh, partner at the time, do you think have ADHD as well? I suspected sometimes, but I mean, if I had a, when I mentioned that to him, he wasn't too game on exploring that, but okay. I wondered maybe, I wondered maybe if, if that was a possibility. I, yeah. I also think that a couple of my other kids could have it. I'm looking into getting an assessment done for my younger son. And then at some point, maybe even my younger daughter, yes. baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's just all, any information is good information. Um, I know for me, the ADHD definitely affects my relationship um, and how we work together <clears throat> and the parent child dynamic uh, that is mm. often the case in ADHD marriages where the, um, the, lower functioning, let's say both, both of you might have ADHD or one of you might, and the other one doesn't. Um, but the one who's the, not as highly functioning often takes on the uh, child role. And then the partner who's higher functioning, um, often takes on a parental role and this uh, mm. destroys, uh, relationships because this mm. power hierarchy, uh, dynamic comes into play, uh, throughout all parts of the day, including, with uh intimacy and um and sex and it just becomes really messy and i'm just wondering if you've experienced that kind of parent-child dynamic in your past relationships or in your current relationships given your adhd um, you know what i think that um when i look back on my marriage i think that we both sort of had a turn at that in a way in different ways in, in very different ways you know uh, there was times where I felt like I was kind of his executive functions when it came to appointments and the calendar and all that stuff. Right. And then he felt that way when it came to finances, because yeah. I'm I, I, I'm a very much in the moment kind of person. I, I don't look ahead. And so for him, he was almost always looking ahead right? Always thinking about retirement, planning for retirement, and, you know, working toward that. Whereas for me, it's like, okay, let's, in some ways, I was probably good for him in that way, because yeah. I was always trying to bring him back and say, wait a second, we're here now. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's try to live here mm -hmm. now, right? And let's try to enjoy life. And let's try to smell the flowers and, and all that type of stuff, right? Yeah. Whereas for him, I think he could get really caught up in his work mode yes. and right. And so he would, it was hard for him to transition out of that work mode. Yes. So, so it yes. was, yeah. 
what you're describing is actually also a really healthy aspect of a relationship where you find your own um, lane or your own silos or whatever you want to refer to it as, you know, and if, if uh, one partner takes finances and the other partner takes scheduling or whatever, that actually can work really, really well uh, for, so if you're, if you know that this for me too, my math and numbers, not my thing, my husband teaches math. You should do the, you should do the bills, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. yeah. um, but I'm a planner. And so I should plan, you know, vacations and uh, doctor's appointments and things. So, so there is some beauty uh, in that mm -hmm. uh, delegation. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see how each relationship works and, and what, really becomes potentially unhealthy in a relationship. And it sounds like for you, you went through a kind of evolution and transformation that made it so that particular relationship no longer served you well. Yes, I think, um, you know, what happened was that through, through the years, you know, be it because of the ADHD and the, I was always so chatty and lively and energetic and people were always kind of trying to shut me up essentially mm. right i was too i was too much. too much i was too, too much mm. and so you know you start to staple your voice through the years yeah. and then you know in order to um avoid rejection and conflict you you overplease and you overgive right. and then you just lose yourself. And I was just, I felt so lost at one point and it just made me, all I could focus on was all stuff about him mm -hmm. and how he needed to change and how I wanted to fix him. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden one day it was kind of like, wait a second here. Um, what about you? You know, maybe it's time to take a look at yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that my daughter's journey was really the, the catalyst for that because it kind of really made me have to take a big, long, hard look at myself because she was trying to have a voice so hard mm. and, and me being the, a parent, actually probably both of us, but being the parents that couldn't have voices for different reasons, it was really hard to have this child that had such a strong voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think, it we worked way too hard trying to quiet her voice mm. and how much she suffered because of that you know mm. and so i i say to her now i'm like yeah i i realized back then that i was totally trying to stay full your voice but it was because i didn't even have one and right. so i was there was this part of me that was ticked off that here's this person getting to here's my child getting to have a voice and i don't even have a voice mm -hmm. and you know can't you just conform and can't you just behave you know mm -hmm. especially with her dad because they would fight all the time and I was put in the middle and so it 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 um it was a real sort of awakening for me for my own journey to to my back to myself essentially and it, I mean it took a while it's taken a while it's been a long process because you're just relearning everything and just completely deconstructing yourself and then rebuilding right mm -hmm. and, and so that's 
sort of what I've done for myself and obviously what I want to do for my clients as well. Yes. And often when we deconstruct and rebuild, we real rebuild differently and we rebuild stronger and we real rebuild with the knowledge and the perspective of, of our lessons hard yeah. as they are. I, and yeah. it's very interesting that your catalyst moment was, um, your daughter finding her voice and you're like, I want voice too. And how many times we play small and people please, uh, so as to not whatever cause cause trouble or conflict or um you know be too seen or, or seen as too much um so yeah that's a that's a very common phenomenon and uh, experience for people with adhd that they either feel like they're not enough or too much and that you know this sense of like the world is not made for me and relationships aren't, aren't in the cards for me. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. how will I ever find a person? So I imagine it must've been an interesting journey for you post divorce to begin, um, dating and how to reconcile your ADHD or how to introduce yourself to, to somebody with your new voice. Um, how was that transition? Uh, you know what? I, I mean, initially I wasn't even really wanting to date. I mean, I tried to get out there a little bit and it just, it's like the universe had other ideas for me. So I just kind of went, whatever, I'm just going to do my own thing, work on me. And then along came, you know, my current boyfriend and I, <laughs> it's been fun. It's been a real learning curve for the both of us. Um, I've always been very open and honest with him about how, how, how my brain works, I guess you can say, yeah. and you know, what comes along with that. And, um, and just, um, and, you know, and then learning the whole communication thing, like before, like in my marriage and other relationships, I definitely was not great at communicating. I, you know, I could be very reactive and take things very personally or I would just sit quiet and I wouldn't speak up and I wouldn't say anything and it would fester and fester yeah. and fester inside. And then you're just like losing it on the right. And like, what the hell is wrong with her? And so, you know, I learned that I started to even say to him one time, he said something like, uh, um, are we still on about, are we still talking about this? And, <laughs> I, and I was yeah. like, Oh, no, you didn't just say that. And so after we calm down and we come back to it, because there has been times where we both get kind of triggered, right? Yes. And that's the younger parts of ourselves that are an old wounds. And so we step back and we come back and talk about it again later. And at one point I said to my go, just so we're clear, I'm never going to just drop it. <laughs> never just going to be a dropped uh, no yes. no I yeah, yeah. Like, we need to talk about it yeah. and and it's a good thing because we're going to learn more about each other and we're going to learn more about ourselves yes. right so that with the next time maybe that won't even turn into a conflict because yeah. we already know about that particular situation topic whatever right Yes. I, I often tell my husband, I said, I'm in conversation with you all day long, even though we're not talking, like I'm preparing for the conversation. I'm re reviewing the conversation. I'm thinking about it. And, and so when I come back to him with like, here's what I figured out, or here's what I have. He's like, what are we talking about? We're we talking about that thing we talked about yesterday. Like, what was that even? I'm like, 
I've been processing this for <gasps> yes. hours and it's been stuck in my throat. Now I could finally say it and you don't even yeah. remember what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating how some people can compartmentalize and sometimes I'm mm. jealous of that, but that is not my brain. And so, yeah, we have to work with each other in partnership to figure out, you know, how we communicate, how we process, how, mm-hmm. we, um, how our, which love languages uh, we have and, and, and how to uh, respond uh, without reacting. So yeah, all of that mm-hmm. setting in relationship. Oh, for sure. It's a lot. And, and anyone we enter partnership with or date, we're going to have to do that with. Um, oh, for, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And so that leads us into something I haven't experienced in decades, which would be um, (laughs) sex during dating. Um, And so, and not necessarily yours, but like in the general sense, um, and we both watch Goop. Um, I saw the the first season. I love this right now. Now the first season. Yeah, I blasted through it. I'm so upset. The first season's over already. Yeah, well, you can rewatch it. Well, what I thought was really... uh, impactful and I think this is what you mentioned in one of your posts that was impactful to you is the amount of um body shaming that uh that Mm. we do as women and uh, that we can look at another woman in all of their whether it's curviness or what they would consider flaws and we could see the the divine perfection in them or the uniqueness in them and the beauty but we can't do that for ourselves Um, so true yeah, and it's it was fascinating watching um, these women looking at themselves in the mirror, um, mm-hmm. very honestly and vulnerably. And so I imagine if I were ever to date again, that I would go through an enormous amount of um, questioning as to you know, like do these parts still work? Am I am I worthy? Am I still desirable? Like all my body issues would come back upon dating. Do you find that to be true? Oh, it, yeah, for sure. That was totally something that I was working through with my therapist. (laughs) uh, And I mean, following, I follow a bunch of amazing accounts on Instagram that have really, really um, helped me with that, which, you know, like the birds papaya and uh, Stephanie chin art. She does amazing. I love her art. Actually, I just got her book and some of her art today in the mail. Um, But uh, yeah, it was a huge thing for me. And I know a bunch of other women that, you know, I'd been in support group with and everything. Like, I mean, we all went through that. It's, I think it's totally normal for women to go through that. That's why I thought that episode of Goop where, uh, sorry, the Goop lab, where they're like looking at their private parts and understanding, you know, actually, I think they were even looking at each other's to be honest, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, there were some and, mirrors and there was some, yeah, yeah, a lot of just observing. Well, and so they could understand, like, they they weren't just seeing theirs. They were seeing other people's and understanding that they're all unique and different yes. and all normal or whatever, right? And so, yes. because I think that a lot of women can, you know, come out of, uh, especially a long marriage, right. And feel like that, especially if they've had kids and everything, right. It's just their whole body, everything. It, it, it's, it's definitely something that you have to work through and accept important work and whether you're in partnership or not, um, 
or whether you're divorced or not, it's always such important and worthy work to come to a place of uh, self love and acceptance and, and knowledge, you know, I mean, it's, it, I know it sounds crazy, maybe to some out there, like get in the mirror and checking it out and see what's down there. Right. And it's like, it, I, one of the things I love the most is this, um, I don't know if they call it, it might even be called vulva art. It's either vulva art or labia art, but it's like mm-hmm. mosaics of all mm-hmm. the many shapes and colors and sizes and forms that the vulva takes on and that they're all completely unique, like snowflakes and each one um, beautiful. And that, that it's really fascinating to be able to take the perspective of wonder, you know, um, mm-hmm. and everybody else's. And that if we can reclaim that for ourselves, potentially even before we enter into a sexual relationship with somebody that's that's wonderful because then you come in empowered and not needing to please like well how do you like it what do you what should I do with this how should I groom what's you know I I think that that is the mistake that we can make is that Mm -hmm. we we leave the power up to the, the partner and rather than going in armed with okay I know my body best Yes, I have discovered it. I know it. And, you know, I, I don't have to rely on this person entirely to, to pleasure me. Right. No, and no. it doesn't have to all fall on them or even understand. I'm reading a book right now. It's called come as you are. I don't know. Uh, if you've heard yeah, of it. Dr. Mm. Emily Nag- Nagoski, I believe. Yes, you're right. Very good. Fantastic and book. Yeah. I'm not through it yet, but I love the whole idea of it where, you know what, like come out of your marriage, arm yourself with all this knowledge about how your body operates and, you know, what gets in your way of pleasure, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like what gets in your way? Because that book's so fantastic. It talks about all the different reasons yes. that things can get in your way of experiencing full pleasure during your intimacy. Absolutely. I believe she talks about it in a sense of like accelerators and breaks, like noticing mm-hmm. for yourself and talking to yourself and may potentially your partner. Like these are the things that turn me on. These are the things that accelerate my desire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then these are the things where I put on the brakes and maybe it's hearing the kids next door or or dirty dishes or, you know, having a hard day at work so that, you know, oh, okay. Well, so desire, she says is uh, arousal and context. Like you can't just have desire if you've had a shitty day or people have been dumping on you. So there has to be the context um, of arousal uh, to, to feel the desire. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating um, book and it's so um, it's simple. It's simple and, Mm -hmm. um, and really, uh, in depth as well in the sense of the, how much work you can do but she she presents it in a way that really makes sense um, oh yeah I mean it's it's fantastic right and, and especially for women because um, I think that generally speaking there can be a lot more um, breaks for us than accelerators yes, a, lot a lot more can get in the way especially after you have kids yes. <laughs> or mm-hmm. Or not actually have kids, but you know what I mean. Yes. And so, um, whether they're adopted, biological, whatever, yeah. is once they're in your life, how that can impact your life, Absolutely. and 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 how it can get in your way of, you know, getting your mojo going, right? Yeah, yeah. And or just the environment, or just 
that emotional connection, whereas a lot of, you know, men can really sort of, it can be relatively effortless because just, they just need a little bit of visual stimulation, right? right? Not always, not always, right? But generally speaking. And so it it can take a lot more um, effort for women to sort of get in the mood or stay in the mood. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times for women, we need the uh, kind of foreplay to start first thing in the morning, like (laughs) from the time you wake up to the time you get naked, you know, is, is this other person that we're considering having sex with, you know, being kind or compassionate or helpful today that really matters. Mm -hmm. I I did a podcast with Ari Tuckman who wrote, writes about ADHD and sex. Um, It's called ADHD after dark. And um, Mm. I ended ended up calling it um, ADHD, uh, plus dishes equals sex. But because we talked about how um, foreplay might look like chores, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's potentially a turn on to one partner. But if if it's not a turn on, at least it's taking some of the breaks away, some of the distractions away, the other things that like run through our minds in in the middle of sex, even that, that just distract us. And so having an awareness of what our partners need to set the scene um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, And then what we need for ourselves to, you know, even with self-pleasure, you know, what, what needs to happen. It's not like it's just going to like come to us and we're going to all of a sudden feel desire. Right. There it is. Yeah. Sorry. I couldn't hear you for a minute. Oh, okay. I was talking about self. I was just talking about masturbation. You're good. (laughs) Oh my God. I should have put a, I should have put, had my fan on this conversation's making me all hot. Sorry, I'm used to it. And so I don't often remember that it's like awkward for some people. So we can, we could leak, leak and lighten it up. Let's talk about dopamine for a second because I can't hear you now. So I think you're, uh, you're muted. Um, I'll, I'll chit chat while, while she's getting her, her mic back, but often with ADHD, we require, um, dopamine hits to keep ourselves, um, alert and alive and engaged. And so we find that, um, you know, the newness of a new relationship is obviously a hit of dopamine. Um, but then when you're in a long-term relationship or a marriage, all of a sudden, like we don't have the novelty, we don't have the, the diversity or the variety. And so we actually have to like create that for ourselves in our marriage. Right. And so this, absolutely. Oh, good. You're back. This could take on like toys pornography, um, sometimes even other, uh, uh, sometimes even other partners or talking about fantasy and like not always doing it in bed on a holiday on somebody's birthday in a hotel. Like it doesn't have to be the same all the time. That really, mm-hmm. really helps. So mm-hmm. honoring the fact that the ADHD brain needs, um, novelty and can be very loyal and monogamous as well. I'm not saying that people with ADHD cannot be monogamous, but there is a high rate of uh, divorce from infidelity um, Mm -hmm. in the ADHD uh, world because of that craving uh, for newness. And so um, do you Mm -hmm. find that a lot with your uh, clients that often what is the demise of the marriage is the desire discrepancy or the lack of novelty? Um, I think so far uh, what I've found um, is actually, it's more of a, um, there's been a, a lot, a lot of problems with the, the ADHD and the reactivity mm-hmm. sort of 
being kind of used against them. Mm, okay. And so, you know, like where uh, their reactions sort of, they're purposely triggered or gaslit and then they react and then it becomes about their reaction. So then everything's always their fault. And there, there's been a lot, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, sort of unhealthy, toxic dynamics yeah. within um, within the relationships as well. Um, so that's sort of been an element as well that can happen where, you know, it can get sort of turned back at them about their ADHD. I think that's why sometimes people with ADHD are really fearful of being mm-hmm. honest up and up front, right, right up front about having it with their partner, because they are afraid that at some point, they're going to throw it back in their face. Right. Yeah. Emotional just deregulation is, uh, is a challenge with ADHD. And so it might be something that, uh, that one would be nervous about sharing. Um, but if it's true that we become reactive or highly emotional, um, to certain situations or triggered, then ultimately we will end up sharing it either through experience or our words and sharing. Um, and so, yeah, it's, and what's exhausting is armoring up and hiding. Mm-hmm hiding all of that. And then we don't feel if we do armor up, uh, seen or understood or fully known. And then that's that empty feeling of, I think, loneliness, where if you're not fully known, then you're actually feeling alone, even in relationship. If you're hiding. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a really good point, but it goes both ways too. I mean, as much as you can say that the person might be using that against the person with ADHD, let's say, then it's also, you know, it is a person with ADHD's responsibility to understand if they do, if they are reactive, you know, let's get curious with that. Where's it coming from, right? How, you know, what, what is causing this? And, you know, let's figure that out so that we can start to understand our triggers and sooner or later over time, decrease them, right? And, and just getting curious and working on that part, right? Whereas yeah. the other person, maybe the person that's sort of picking at them about their stuff, obviously they, they, they need to work on some stuff too. It goes both ways, right? It goes both ways. Definitely and, interaction, right? And the yeah. person without ADHD potentially needs to become more aware of how the ADHD brain works and become more um, compassionate. And then the person with ADHD, rather than making it an excuse needs to work on managing it in different ways so that, um, so that the relationship can, can still function. So, yeah, I I think that's a great point that it's, that it goes both ways and that it's not always the person with ADHD's fault that Hmm. communication doesn't work or sex doesn't work or partnership in general. Definitely not. Definitely not. In my work as a marriage and family therapist, I see things in an interaction, like a pattern of interaction. And it takes two at least to create that, that pattern that we're working mm. with each other and against each other um, and off of each other. And so, yeah, it's, it's really important to recognize um, the patterns that we fall into that continue. Like we repeat our patterns, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, here we are mm-hmm. in this, this is that that argument again, we're going to have that argument, you know, before that argument was about laundry and now it's about dishes and now it's about doctor's appointments, but it's the same argument, the same pattern of conversation that we're having. 
And, you know, and ultimately we're all just kind of projecting at each other. Right. So, you know, it's like, okay, let me own up to my shit. You own up to your shit. You know, I'll work on my shit. You work on your shit and let's see what we can do together. Right. If, 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 yeah, let's bring our shit together and let's see if it's going to work. Right. And, and I mean, that, that can be said about anything in a relationship. Like you were even saying before about the, the intimacy and about, you know, keeping that spark going. Right. So there's like two extremes to it. It's like, okay, you don't want to get addicted to that whole dopamine rush with the intimacy. Um, But at the same time, you recognize that you need that little Mm -hmm. spark. Mm -hmm. So how can you keep that going? And as a couple, you need to keep it going together. It, you know, it's not up to just one person. I think the ADHD -er, knowing that they they need that spark, it can end up being sort of them doing all the work that way, where they're the one trying to always find new and interesting things to do or whatever, and and initiate and then, but it needs to sort of go both ways, they both need to kind of do it and, and, you know, figure it out together and communicate what their needs are and what they like and dislike and And it can be that way with the entire relationship, right? With even the communication, just about talking about like opening the communication and being open-minded and taking in what each other needs and knowing that each partner, like neither partner is um, the sole cup filler for the other partner. Right. Right. We are our own cups. Mm-hmm. We have to know how to mm-hmm. fill our own cups first. Yes. And then, you know, and then, yeah, it's it's gravy if we're getting our cups filled in other areas and other ways. But we can't rely on our partner. And I remember I was there definitely for sure at one point thinking, OK, like. I felt like I wasn't getting my needs met or whatever. Mind you, I wasn't exactly speaking up about them either. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's. um but it was, I was pouring into everybody else's cup in the family, right. And not filling my own cup enough. So I was getting burnout often Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. pissed off often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it became, and then you project it onto everybody else and you're pissed off at everybody else, but it's you, you're stifling your own needs and not speaking up for them. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up two really good points. One is that we have to be able to uh, meet our own needs and we, one person can't provide all the things we need, the, the friendship, the camaraderie, the, the sex, the organization, the executive functioning like that. That's a magical person that probably won't exist, but we could rely on ourselves. Exactly. Unicorn. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But then also the, um, you know, when you said you you were filling everybody else's cup. Nobody was filling yours. The the big component to that is like, we have to be really specific about what we need in mm-hmm. asking for help and then receive it um, and be, you know, set those boundaries so that we can say, I can't do this. I can do this. I need help with this so that we don't find ourselves in as many times overwhelm and, uh, you know, feeling depleted, which is just so common for uh, women to have that emotional toll really. Well, boundaries is huge. I mean, I think that uh, I remember when I was going through the academy and I, I, I felt like almost nobody in my class knew what the heck boundaries were. You know, we were all <laughs> dying to get to the boundaries units. We're like, what are boundaries? What do you mean? 
And it took me a while even to fully comprehend what they were and how yeah. to how to initiate them, how to set them, how to stand strong to them, mm. you know, how to be uh, consistent with them. I'm still not consistent with them all the time with my kids. Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, that's been a big learning curve. Actually, probably one of my hardest learning curves with my divorce has been that, you know, there was lessons that I was never, ever going to be able to learn while I was with my partner, just like there's lessons he never would have learned while he was with me. And you totally, you get out there on your own and you're thrown to the wolves and you have to figure it out. And it, and it would just keep staring you in the face Mm. over and over and over again until you Mm. finally learn the lesson. And Mm. so the boundaries with my kids, especially my older daughter, uh, has, (laughs) <laughs> it, it took a long time. And you know what she said to me after I finally um, got better with them and more consistent with them and stood strong to them. She said to me, she said, you know, I wish that you had stood up to me sooner, a lot sooner. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. Fascinating? yeah. And that's such a dynamic where we feel like, oh, the kids can't handle um, me speaking my voice or, or me leaving this marriage or me standing up for myself to their other parent. And, uh, and then, and then later realizing how much they knew or absorbed or, uh, or wanted. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard conversation, but a really good conversation that I'm sure opened up to a great growth opportunity for you and your daughter to talk. About oh, for sure. I mean, I, yes and the other important aspect of that is is actually learning how to be comfortable with people's reactions to your boundaries that's the hard part because the people that aren't used to you having boundaries or setting boundaries or standing strong to your boundaries their reactions are going to be big yeah yeah and that's not easy you know, especially if you, if you're sort of trying to be a recovered pleaser, right. it hurts you to see people upset with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but they, they're used to you being people, a people pleaser. So it's less convenient for them and they might balk at it, you know, at first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of it was me explaining to them, look, I am not doing this to you. Right. I'm not saying no to like at you or to you or to hurt you. I said, I am doing this. Well, it depended on the the situation, but Mm -hmm. it was either I'm doing this because I need this boundary. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say if it's something to do with their safety or something, right. Um, Especially with teens or, you know, or another one would be, I am doing this for you. Like this boundary is kind of for you, right. I'm doing this because I love you and you need to have some limits in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can't just do everything you please. Like there's, there's, there's some boundaries, right. And, or, or like, uh, one of the beginnings of it was me saying no about driving. I was driving my kids everywhere because I lived in the country and it was just becoming too much. And finally I said, look, I said, first of all, you guys need to talk to each other and figure out when you're going to town and try to do it at the same time and try to come home at the same time or somewhere around that, because I'm not going there and back and there and back all in the same day. And there's going to be days where I'm not even driving. I'm taking the day off. So it's, and guess what? That's not even necessarily a no. 
if right. you can find if you can find a drive to where you want to go be my guests and what was great about that was i empowered them to yes. problem solve yes. right and so i really loved that i really yeah. loved seeing that so yeah often you know. as people pleasers we enable the other person to be dependent on us um so mm-hmm. yeah you were able to empower your your daughters by setting your boundaries which helped both of you of course you didn't yeah. have so much and they found uh new ways to to manage it yeah i love that with with adhd we have you know obviously the challenges that come with it with uh you know focus and, emo- and emotional dysregulation and all the all the things but then there's also this part of us that's um, creative and good at problem solving. And, um, you know, it was like willing to kind of be flexible and, and roll with it and see an opportunity as a, as a growth moment and a learning opportunity and, and then play with that and play, like you said, play with your triggers, Mm -hmm. play with your pain, play with the, play with the pleasure and see what comes of it. And that's part of the, the novelty that, that lights us up and gives us the the dopamine that we Mm -hmm. so, uh, desire is just like getting, uh, some newness into our life, even if it's difficult. Um, it's movement, it's movement forward. It's doing something different. It's always good. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, we could go so many places with this conversation, <laughs> so but true. Our, our poor <laughs> listeners who I assume have ADHD themselves are like, okay, now this is as much as I can absorb. Pasha <laughs> and Natalie. So, um, so yes. Yeah. So Natalie, if uh, people want to reach out to you about ADHD and divorce or follow you, what's the best way they can do so? Well, one of my, my main platform has been Instagram. So on Instagram, I'm at uh, ADH divorce. And then I've recently just starting to dip my toes into clubhouse, which I'm really loving it actually. I, and, um, so on there, I am ADH divorce as well. I'm also on there as that. Uh, and then I have actually, I just started my own Facebook group, uh, a support group for women, an inclusive support group for women with ADHD or without ADHD for who are experiencing going through separation or divorce. And it's called Recreating You. Um, so I just started that. That's on Facebook. And then uh, I have a I have a TikTok, but it I, I only have a few little videos on there, so I wouldn't bother. <laughs> and my website, I won't even bother with my website because I need to actually redo it. I haven't. Um, I haven't. I haven't exactly right. I haven't done. Um, it's still my old. Yeah. So it's like uh, 80% done, but we need to finish it and relaunch it. Yeah. No, it, yeah. It's all about like, yeah. you know, parent parenting and the mom, like children, all that. Yeah. There's zero on there about divorce, like nothing. Okay. And you're, you're in a whole new realm. So yeah, yeah. I find you easily on Instagram. It's, it's very easy to find you on. Um, and so, yes, please reach out to Natalie. Um, and you could, you could join both of our Facebook groups and get a lot out of it because we both work with women in particular with ADHD. And, uh, so in Natalie's group, if you're moving through a separation or divorce or thinking about that, and then if you want to delve into the things that make her face red, like sex and intimacy <laughs> and sexuality, I'm still red, and, I'm still and red. Still probably a hot flash, uh, then you come on over to, to my group, uh, getting intimate with ADHD. Um, but I'm on Facebook, uh, and instagram as uh, pasha marlo and then um, my 
website is poshamarlo.com. It's super easy. Um, and I actually offer a free coaching session to any of my listeners. So I'll be putting that link in the, um, in the show notes, uh, so that you can easily reach out to me and we could chat and, uh, and we could share ADHD stories and beyond or pleasure stories and, uh, help you meet your, your dreams and goals. Um, so yeah, I hope you all reach out to Natalie and I, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you did, it would be amazing if you would share it and, uh, and subscribe or review, do all the things, but, um, but mostly share it. We want to give this information to people who need it. So, uh, so yes, thank you all for joining us today and we will see you soon. Bye. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you.